Let's open the scriptures. Uh, so we're in Acts chapter 21. Uh, do grab your Bible. Um, so Acts is after the four Gospels, after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, and we're working our way through the book of Acts. Uh, it documents the first 30 years of uh, the early church uh, after Jesus rose again, ascended to be with the Father, it's ruling and reigning. And then this is the first 30 years. What did the church look like? What did they get up to? Um, and uh, it documents that. So we are in chapter 21, and we'll pick up a few verses from uh, verse 17, but just a bit of context. So the last seven chapters, uh, chapters 21 to 28, are all about Paul being imprisoned. He's in Roman imprisonment, um, mostly house arrest. Uh, but Luke, the author of Acts, devotes a quarter of the book of Acts to these four years. Yeah, and I think it's really it probably his love for Paul. It's really that sense of uh, wanting to document uh, his, uh, his friends, this guy who's given his life to being one who starts and strengthens churches, of wanting to document these final years. And I think probably in, in many ways it was probably quite a shocking time for them. So this person who, who had led and started churches and gone round and been part of... Uh, uh, just many efforts to take the gospel to the unknown, uh, to, to the world that didn't know the gospel. Um, Luke really wanting to honor his friend and, and take time. So for, for the next seven chapters, so for the rest of the series, we're really looking at Paul and what he gets up to uh, right to the end, really, of his life, although Acts doesn't uh, document that. So uh, we see just before um, the few verses that we've had today, uh, at the end of Acts 20, uh, he leaves Ephesus. Okay, so he's in a place called Ephesus, and he's traveling around different churches. Uh, so he's having some fun around the Mediterranean. You can imagine it's hot, you know, lots of good food, lots of good friends, family, nice time together, setting sail, getting shipwrecked. You know, that's the, the tough stuff. Um, but at the end of chapter 20, he says farewell to uh, the Ephesian church, to the Ephesian elders. And it says this. Verse 36, when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. And what grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. And then they accompanied him to the ship. So it's a parting of ways, a very fond relationship that's been built up between Paul and this church in Ephesus, between him and the leaders and the church family there as well. And what grieved them most was his statement that, he, that they would never see his face again. I think Paul knew that he was coming into the final uh, few years of his life. There was increased, as, as he was traveling and wanting to get towards Rome, I think he knew uh, really that the end was going to come, that he was going to be arrested, killed for his faith, killed for planting churches, that the end was coming. And so he said, look, this is, this is probably the last time I'm going to see you. And just with grief, he parts ways with them. He travels from Ephesus then uh, through the Mediterranean uh, towards Jerusalem, travels and stops off at a few different places along the way. Um, if you want to hear more about that, Toby preached on that last week at City Centre. That's on uh, the website. Uh, but his reason for traveling to Jerusalem is primarily to uh, give some money to them that he has been collecting from various churches as he's been going round. And we read about this in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 to 4. Uh, Paul says, now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what, I told, uh, yeah, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. 
On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I'll give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. So Paul obviously did feel that sense of, yeah, I do want to go. I do want to give this money to the Jerusalem church. I love them and I want to be there, responsible for giving the money uh, that he has collected. And then in Romans chapter 15, he says, Now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. So he's traveling to Jerusalem. He's got this money uh, with him. The last time he was in Jerusalem was with the council of Jerusalem. You read about that in Acts chapter 15. How should we reconcile this deal of the Jews wanting uh, to circumcise new believers and the Gentiles obviously probably not wanting to get bound into the law and bound into what the the, the Jewish traditions might have required of them. And at the council, they decide how we're going to move forward. So Paul had been in Jerusalem not too long ago, and he's, he's there again. So let's pick it up. Acts chapter 21, verse 17. I'm just going to read a few verses. When we arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James, and all the elders were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard this, they praised God. Father, we do pray you'd speak to us this morning. We want to hear your voice. We want to be led and guided and directed by you as we uh, look at what it means to be part of a a church who uh, has its sights set upon uh, things further afield. As part of the global mission, Lord Jesus, we do pray, stir our hearts, stir our affections to want to be involved in your mission, Lord Jesus, and the cost that it, it takes, Lord, would you enable us to make it? Jesus, please help us, we pray. Amen. Okay, so you get that first sense. They arrived in Jerusalem, and the brothers and sisters received us warmly. Paul was received warmly. There was much affection as people went around planting churches and strengthening them. They'd built up really strong relationships. And sometimes they'd only been in these places for a matter of days or weeks. And yet something had knitted their hearts together. And I think it's because they were on mission together. They were sacrificing their lives for the cause of the gospel. And I think it knitted them together. It knitted their hearts, many of them sacrificing their own lives, being persecuted, punished for following Jesus. And together they they had this sense of camaraderie, brothers and sisters together. Let's fight this cause together. Let's be in this together. Over the years, I've had the opportunity to visit numbers of different places. So I've been to St. Louis in America. Uh, We took a team of students out there. Been to Romania, took a uh, team of students there, to Beijing, um, and also been to Serbia, uh, to Niche. And um, I remember going to Niche for the first time, and we're going to hear more about Johnny and Sarah's trip 
um, in a short while because they were there recently. But I'd never been to Serbia before. I'd never been to Niche. I'm not particularly au fait with Eastern European history or culture, uh, but I was visiting there just helping out with a, a sort of youth camp thing and, and praying and, and witnessing out uh, to the communities there. Um, but I remember that sense of just even the first time meeting Vlada and Sonia and the, the Christians there, just a sense of warmth, like a sense of togetherness. Uh, we had traveled partway across the world. They were really grateful for our encouragement, and our love and support. And there was a, they received us warmly. We were on mission together, and that was wonderful. We ate together. Uh, we spent time together, prayed together, laughed together. Um, I don't think we cried together, but there was a sense of just togetherness in the uh, at sort of the coal face of trying to bring the gospel to uh, a post-communist nation. So it's good to be together. They, they received us warmly. Uh, recently, I had the privilege of being in Poland and uh, just had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with Kevin Riley. Now, he's over in Gdansk in Poland, and we spent a lot of time together. So we had, a, we had six days, um, and we were there meeting with different leaders from across Europe, as over 600 leaders, largely from independent churches, but there was an RM team uh, who were there delivering some of the, the teaching. And so I was just playing my part, really in the background, but Kevin was there as well, trying to make connections with different churches and church leaders uh, from Poland and Czech Republic and around, uh, around that area. And um, I could say it was really hard work, and there were some really tough bits, uh, but I'm sure I've shared with a few of you, there, wa- there was a sauna, there was a steam room, there was a jacuzzi in this, in this hotel, so I did make the most of it. Uh, but me and Kevin Riley bonded over doing some ice dipping. Now, who's ever done that? Okay, no, amazing. You're up for it or you've done it? Done it. Okay, so he's really into ice dipping. He will go out onto a frozen lake. This is everything you shouldn't do. Knock out some ice, make a clearing, and go in. 12 minutes, he says, and he'll just, just go there. Get out, get dry, get changed, get back in the car and go home. <laughs> it's like, that's mental. Um, okay, so he tried to get me into it, but it was just, it was like a cold bath, okay? It wasn't an ice bath, but it was a cold bath in between the sauna, the steam room. It's quite nice, quite refreshing. So anyway, we spent a lot of time in there um, and uh, just chatting. It was just really good. I'd never met the guy before. I didn't know about his situations, his circumstances. I didn't know about his history, but we spent time talking. And it was good just to connect heart to heart together, to hear about his family, to hear about the struggles and the challenges that they face in Gdansk. Sometimes seeing people saved and then fall away or seeing someone baptized and they, they leave the church and go to another church. And just that, that sense of really it's quite tough. It's really quite tough. But good. He, he received me into his country warmly. It was, it was wonderful to be together. And I think here... I think Paul is received warmly because they're, they're on mission together. So what is that mission? Well, uh, Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 28, and I know these are well-known verses if you've been around church for any length of time. Jesus said to his disciples that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. 
So the disciples had gone about basically fulfilling this commission. Jesus had given it to them. Uh, he had then said at the start of Acts, so before he ascended to heaven, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So there's, there's this ever-increasing sense of go from the local to the global. This is God's heart. It's his desire. You will be my witnesses. I want this gospel that has, start, has started here just in me. I want this to go globally to the nations. And they've been fulfilling that. That's what they've given their lives to. They've given their money to, their energies to. And we, as well, are on the exact same mission. 2,000 years later, the mission has not changed. If you ask what are we about as a church, we're about making disciples. This global mission was given, first of all, to Adam and Eve. You see it in the early chapters of the Bible. It's God's heartbeat. Turn with me to Genesis 1. We've got the account where he's making everything. So 1 verse 26, and we'll read to the end. Get this sense of this, what, um, what God is giving Adam and Eve to do. And the scale of it, the scope of it. God said, let us make mankind in our image. That's man and woman. In our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that it made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Do you get the scale of the mandate that God gives Adam and Eve? It's global. This is just two people, one man, one woman. And God is saying, don't just focus on the local, though that's important, and it will start there. Have your mind set on global rule, global dominion. This is what I've got for my image bearers. And this is what God has got. For us. This has been called the cultural mandate. It's global rule. It's global dominion. It's partnering together. You see that? It's, it's given to both the man and the woman. It's partnering together, side by side, on mission, together for his purposes. No one left out. It's both of them. Man and woman. It's beautiful. Always God's plan 
for the world to be filled with, ruled by, cultivated by his obedient image bearers. The cultural mandate is to make more image bearers. Like, make more people that are like me. Go out and cultivate the earth. Tell people about me. Share my image with others. That's God's heart, God's plan, his desire. It was his heart through the people of Israel as God called a nation to be a light to the nations. His heart was always for the global. In Isaiah 49, it says, if it is too, oh, sorry, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. So God is speaking here to Isaiah, saying, look, I want you and this nation to be a light to the other nations. I want the Gentiles, those who don't know me, that those who are not my chosen nation, to be my chosen nation. I want this to expand. I want it to grow. I want them to be welcomed in. And God made provision for Gentiles to be welcomed in to the family of God. It was never to be an insular nation that just kept itself to itself. It was always to be a light, a beacon of hope for others. It's God's heart. It's God's heart. Now, unfortunately, we read in the Bible, both Adam and Eve and the nation of Israel, time and time again, they went inward on themselves. They focused in on themselves. God had given them a great mandate, a global mandate, an exciting adventure to partner with their God, their creator, in seeing, uh, seeing the, uh, the created order um, worked out, to see uh, the earth subdued, to see them ruling and reigning and using the authority that God had given them for his purposes. And yet again and again, they went in on themselves. So for Adam and Eve in their pride, they said, I can do it my way. I want to do it my way. So they did it their way. They turned away from God. They wanted to call it the shots. They wanted to be the highest authority in their lives. Can't we so often do that ourselves? When we think of the mission before us, how often do we get caught up in wanting to be the highest authority in our lives? I think for me, maybe this plays out in a sense of wanting comfort, wanting a comfortable life. When I thought about going to Poland, we booked it about three months ago, and at that point, Russia was starting to move west. And I was like, okay, if they're moving west, they'd start, started bombing the, the bo- towards the border with Poland. And then I looked on the map, and there's this basically main road from, from Poland to Ukraine, really from Krakow to to uh, Ukraine, and I thought, oh no, that's quite good access for getting in. And I thought, okay, I'm sort of thinking that I've got a family, I've got responsibilities. Um, you know, if they do start moving and it starts to get tense and NATO start getting involved, and just that, if being honest with you, that sense of um, uh, that sense of wanting a comfortable life, not wanting to put myself into vulnerable situations that might cause uh, me to uh, I don't know what might happen, but just in situations that I don't want to be in, I wanted to be the authority in my life. To submit to Jesus' call to go was hard. 
in that instance, I was like, okay, I could, I could probably give some viable reasons for not going. And no one would probably think otherwise. But I knew in my heart, I was like, okay, I don't want to step back from this. I don't want to step away from this. But that was, the, that was the sin of Adam and Eve. It was the sin of the nation of Israel. It was going in, and in on themselves. It was wanting to call their own shots. It, wasn't, it was this sense of not wanting to take what they had and share it with others. That's the global mission that God has got for us. I wonder what, uh, what can get in the way for you. I wonder what might get in the way for you in playing your part. And we'll come to that uh, shortly. But just maybe just check your hearts, just that sense of, okay, maybe what in the past has, has been a barrier. Maybe what, what can I sense even in my own heart of, of just settling? The beautiful thing is that if we fast forward from Adam and Eve and Israel to Jesus, is that Jesus did the complete opposite of Adam and Eve. Jesus gave up his comfort in heaven. Gave up his comfort of eternity spent with the Father and the Spirit in perfect communion. Jesus gave that up. He became a man. He chose to endure the things that mankind endure, the pain, the heartache, making friends and seeing them, seeing them die or seeing them struggle. He wept with people. He chose to embrace those things for the purpose of mission. That's why he did it, because he wanted a bride for himself. He wanted a people to call his own. So he came to earth. At the cross, he took our sin. All those things that we, we do, so all those um, places where we put ourselves as the highest authority in our life, Jesus took that on the cross. It's called sin. He took it on the cross. He took the punishment that we deserve for those things. And he's given us new hearts with new desires. And he wants for us to embrace that and say, yes, God, I love you. I want to serve you. Please help me in this. He wants us to partner with what he has already started in our lives, in our hearts. And then he calls us to go and do the same. So he says, go and make disciples. Go and do the same as I've done. I've shown you what this looks like. It's costly. You're going to have to give up everything. <laughs> Am I selling it? <laughs> Jesus is cool. Um, <laughs> it's not mine. Um, he says, go. It's going to be hard. It involved giving up family, friends. Don't put them first. Put Jesus first. It involved giving up money. Don't put money first. Put Jesus first. It'll be tough. And I know many of us have experienced that dynamic, even coming here, uh, this sense of uh, planting into West Earlham and wanting to see the gospel bear fruit. We're not a huge number, and we've seen people come and go, and I know relationships, we've seen good people go. It's hard. I remember that with Ben and Sarah going recently key part of, of the life group that we're part of. They led it, but just been friends with them for many years. That's tough. Saying goodbye for the cause of the mission is, is hard. It is costly. Okay, in verse 19, um, of, uh, back in 
Acts chapter 21, 20, 21. I'm in Luke. That would be why it's not in chapter 20. Okay. So, uh, verse 19. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. So, Paul gets the slideshow out, spends a, a good amount of time with them in detail reporting back what God has been doing on his mission to the Gentiles. So, it's good for us to get a sense of what is God doing amongst us, how is he using us as a church to be part of global mission. So, it'd be good to welcome Johnny and Sarah. Do you guys want to come up? As part of that. Okay, so these guys have recently been away. I mean, you're pregnant. This was well done. I do, you obviously knew that, but it's, I mean, costly. <laughs> costly. So these guys have been in Serbia, in Niche, uh, the place that I'd mentioned uh, that I went to well over a, a decade ago. But why don't you tell us a bit more just about so where you've been, um, and uh, why you were there. Yeah, do you want to start? Yeah, you can start. Yeah, so we went to, we've been to Niche before um, for the first time. John's been twice before, I've been once, about 10 years ago. Um, but yeah, this time we went back, we flew into um, Sofia in Bulgaria and then drove across the border into um, Niche. We didn't, um, we stayed just around the corner from Vada and Sonia who lead the church, um, which is part of RM in Niche. And then we were there for about five days, weren't we? Um, yeah. Doing various things, really. So we, we went with John Bearden, who is one of the elders in the Durham Church, and he leads our relational mission community that Kings is part of. Um, so he was doing some teaching, um, and then John did some... Um, you bring into the other questions, Paul. Sorry, I was just trying to say what we were <laughs> doing. No, no, you're <laughs> fine, you're fine. That's, that's, that's we helpful. That's what we were doing. Um, <laughs> yeah, just sort of visiting the church, visiting um, some of the communities that Vlada has been building relationships with. Um, right. in the kind of Roma communities. Brilliant. And how, so you guys personally, how, how did you come to have these connections, I guess, with John? Um, so why, why did you end yeah. up there? Um, oh, just to say, though, quickly, like, just a bit of sublimity for you. Like, so when we landed in, um, in Bulgaria, it started to lightning, <laughs> and it was very dark and black. And, like, it's kind of Bulgaria and Serbia in Eastern Europe really is surrounded by mountains and uh, it was very dark and black and mm. we were driving through and the lightning was epic. It was like, like something out of a fourth. I'm obsessed with Thor. Like, <laughs> uh, it was just like um, something out of a fourth. And it just lit up the whole of the mountains. And it was just so, and you know in Revelation when it says, you know, the lightning flashes around God's throne. I was just like, wow just gives you a big idea of God. Anyway, so um, that was really cool. Uh, yeah, so I got saved into Durham Church when I was about 16 years old. It's John Bearden's church in Durham, um, or the church that he was leading it. Um, uh, yeah, at the time, um, he's still leading it, but yeah, kind of doing more wider stuff with RM now. Um, but yeah, that's the church I got saved into. That's where Sarah was as well. That's where we, where we met. Um, so I have a very long-standing relationship, a kind of mentor uh, relationship with John Bearden. Um, yeah, and, and then as obviously as Sarah said, um, John is the community leader um, in RM. So basically, Sarah got pregnant and, and then I was like, okay, we're running out of time to do some <laughs> like kind of more missional stuff. I, I, and I just messaged together, together. together. Um, and I messaged John and I was just like, whenever you're next going anywhere, 
just tell me and Sarah and we'll come with mm. you. Like, um, and he did. Um, we weren't able to go to the first time. We went to Serbia early on in the year, but this time we were able to go. And um, so, yeah, that's basically. Yeah, Nikki, um, so his wife Nikki was supposed to come, um, yep. but she'd hurt her foot, so she didn't come. So it was just us and John, um, obviously, for long periods of time together. And luckily, we have a really good relationship, but it was quite, it just gave us a really good opportunity to just ask him so many questions and it, I bet he loved it just like <laughs> what do you think about this and then I mean, we landed back in um, Stansted after the hot we have been spent so much time together and in the car the first thing you were like John I'm wondering if you can just tell us about your thoughts on Providence just like the last hour and a half back <laughs> it's just like that the whole time <laughs> I think he loves it Amazing. <laughs> Let's hope he loves it. Yeah. Um, amazing. Um, so tell us a bit, bit about how you uh, were making disciples actively um, on the trip. Um, yeah, a few, di- a few different things. So there were some things that we were actively involved in, like um, the church in Niche runs um, like a youth night. And so we went and um, John particularly led that, a discussion on James. Um, John preached on the Sunday in the Niche church. And then... Um, when we were going around to the uh, Roma communities, we were just involved in, um, well, we were <laughs> just enjoying a, a lot of, just learning a lot, but um, also involved in praying for lots of people. Um, John shared his testimony. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of a case of just turn up and just be helpful in a sense, and because we were working with John and Bladder, and then the mm-hmm. other the leaders in the Roma communities, it was a case of when we were there, they would say, right, I think we're going to just have like a preach, and maybe we'll do this, and maybe we'll do that, and then look around and be like, can you preach, can you do this, can you do that? <laughs> and then, then you kind of just follow through, and then can you pray, and then you, yeah, it was good, it was good, like, learning experience. Yeah. Just Brilliant. to say on the, um, on the prayer as well, like, I've never experienced anything quite like it, like, it was quite, what I like to think, quite biblical, because in my head when Jesus is praying for the sick in various communities that, we, that you know that we read about in the New Testament I imagine like a lot of the time there were like literally queues of people just like mm. waiting to be sort of like prayed for by him or touched by him um, and it's, it's like that in some of the Roma communities there was like a queue of people just waiting to be holding like infants that can't walk and stuff like that and just wanting to be like, have hands laid on them and, and prayed for um, so it was, it was really heavy, like in that sense, um, but also very beautiful because these people's faith is just so biblical, you know, and it's just so, um, beautiful for them to have that kind of faith where they think, you know, that prayer really works. Um, uh, yeah, so that's I'm not saying that we don't have that, but like, I'm just saying that, uh, it's just something different about that, um, in a, an extremely impoverished community where there's no... You know, they don't even have a sewage system in some of these places. Um, uh, yeah, um, just lining up um, to be prayed for is quite, quite, quite. Yeah, amazing. And what was one of the things maybe that tested your, tested you in terms of took faith, challenged you, took courage, you know, stepping out your comfort zone? Yeah, so that, that thing was um, one of those things. But like, as Sarah has already said, when we rolled up to the to the Roma community in um, p- part of it, so I think was it, Bustinchekia, Lebenia, yeah, so, um, yeah, and it's like a makeshift village. They've made it out of various things, um, and the Roma community, the like, like Roma gypsies, basically, um, they're like hated by most people, including the Serbians. So they find themselves building these villages, and they're almost like shanty towns outside of you know, in the countryside of Serbia. 
in the mountains. Um, so we roll up there, and <laughs> and Vlado just we we kind of welcome children like run up to the car and they're like hello 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 um, hi and it's lovely and um, but then we're sitting upstairs and we're just drinking some coffee and all these kids are down waiting for the music to start and stuff like that and then Vlada just comes up and goes right John you're preaching and Johnny you're going to share your testimony and I was like okay um, <laughs> and uh, and it was it was just like I hadn't prepared anything um, it was a very last minute thing I don't usually struggle with words but um, in a community where you're working with translators as well, it's, it's you know you have to keep your sentences short. That is something I might struggle with. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm a fan of the semicolon, and uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, but yeah. So I just kind of I remember during the worship, just sit there and I, oh, Lord, please just give me the words that you want to speak. May you be glorified through my words. I remember actually I met with Jamie just before we went, and, and Jamie said something about preaching to me. He said, you know. When he, I'm going to misquote him now, but he said, um, he said something like, correct me if I'm wrong, um, that when I prepare my preach, I ask God, um, I'm giving away his tricks of the trade now, I ask God um, for me to, to, to speak his words in his power. Um, and I was like, okay, that came into my mind. I was like, Lord, let me speak your words in your power. Um, and it just came, like, and it was really good, and it was really simple, and it was really easy. And I'm, I think it really... You know, I hope it blessed the guys, and I know John's preach blessed them. So, but yeah, it's just that kind of you just need to sometimes ask God to speak through you rather than relying mm. on your own. Great stuff. Would you guys go again? Absolutely. I Something think I left similar. a little bit of my heart in that village. Yeah, wow. So it's just that like, was an accident. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not very yeah. So yeah. So you, I mean, that's brilliant. I think that sense of togetherness on mission, like like you say, yeah. you you you're personally invested, aren't you? Now you know the people. Mm. You prayed for them, stood with them, witnessed to them. You know you can't just forget about that now. See, maybe in the future we can sort of lead a Sea West team to go yeah. out there. You know, it's like who knows? God yeah. knows. Brilliant. Cool. Wonderful. Uh, Great. Yeah. Okay, so just a couple of practical things, last few minutes, just to, um, how can we get involved together? Um, so I know over the years, we've, various ones of us have been involved in different ways. Um, so one of the ways that we can get involved is by praying, by being a church that commits to praying. So um, just really just galvanizing around this sense of praying for people in Serbia or praying for people in Poland and praying for specific situations, circumstances, connecting hearts together. And I think when we pray as a church, we're then trusting God for it, but we're also expecting God to move, aren't we? And we're looking for stories, just trying to see God's hand in it. And then we can celebrate together. That's one thing that they did there in, in verse 20, that when they heard this, they praised God. That is, the, that is the, the right response when you hear God at work. So when we hear that sense of God working in niche and amongst the Roma communities, it's to praise God. It's to give God the glory. And so to partner with God in prayer, and we, we can do this in various ways, like the Saturday morning prayer meetings that we have at City West. And there's a prayers of many enough event, prayer event on the 24th of June, so that's coming up. Uh, that'd be a week Friday, I think. 
Is that right? Um, so that's in Elsham, half, uh, seven, half seven. Um, I'll send out more details in the loop uh, weekly, but a good opportunity to gather together to pray. And we'll be praying about uh, various things. Jacinta and I are leading one of the, the prayer sections. So d- do come along. Let's gather together. Bring your life group. Let's travel over uh, in cars together. It'd be great to, to be praying. So we can pray in terms of getting involved. We can also strengthen links with those uh, who are abroad. So thinking of Ben and Sarah, um, let's keep strengthening our links with them. So don't just think, oh, they've gone and, you know, might see them once in a blue moon. Let's continue to strengthen uh, links with them. They've got the barbecue 26th of June in Heatherset after church on, the, on that Sunday. If you're around, you know them, come on, come along. Let's, let's hear from them. Let's encourage them. Um, so that would be good. So strengthen links. Look for opportunities to strengthen those links. Uh, thirdly, uh, we can give. We can give. Give of our money, can't we? And you guys faithfully, I know many of you give month in, month out, and much of that money goes towards enabling mission beyond our borders. So continue to give. Um, going um, as well. So obviously Johnny and Sarah have gone. I've gone. I know other people have been to different places. Um, maybe just take take some time in your life group and uh, as you're praying in the coming weeks, just sense, just, is, is God sending me? Like, is, maybe short term, maybe long term. Uh, stir up that sense of God. Okay, it's your mission. What part do you want me to play? And there's plenty of opportunities. Um, like John is John Bearden's regularly going in and out of uh, Serbia and Czech Republic, and got connections into other places like Poland, and just wanting to uh, to strengthen those connections. And part of that will be us, you know, us lot going in various ways. So do pray into that and do chat to to me or someone else if you feel that sense of leading or just want to explore it further. You know, you just want to pray with someone about it. Um, Fifthly, let's be sharing and finally, let's be sharing stories. So maybe just have Johnny and Sarah around for dinner or just for a coffee or whatever. Um, Hear some more of the stories. We've only just got a little bit uh, of it. Hear some of the stories. Um, Maybe chat to one another and say, look, have you ever been? What's been your experience? What's been the cost or the encouragement? You know, uh, we've got plenty of stories uh, amongst us. So do be be sharing that. Um, And then giving God the glory. Okay, so we're going to have an opportunity to do that now. So should we stand? Uh, We're going to worship God and, and take an opportunity to give God the glory. That's what uh, these guys did. They praised God. They heard the news, but they knew God had done it. They knew it was God's mission. It's his work. In 1 Corinthians, it says that I planted the seed. That's Paul talking. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. And that's our heart. In this next season, we want to be pressing into these relationships. We want to be playing our part, even just as a small church playing our part globally, having impact into other places. And we'll do that together. We'll do that as we part together in prayer, in giving, in going. Let's be people who do that. Lord Jesus, we do uh, thank you for helping us to, uh, to know what this looks like, for uh, giving us the book of Acts to get a sense of, oh, that's what it looks like, and oh, okay, we could do that. Jesus, we do want to play our part. Please, would you shape us as a church? Would you encourage us? Would you spur us on? Would you strengthen us? Would you empower us with your Holy Spirit? 
We need you. We need to be sent by you. We need to be filled with your power as we go. Jesus, we ask for your help in it. And I pray that in the coming weeks as we, as we chat in, in life groups and other situations, as we pray, as we seek God, as to what does this uh, look like for us individually as well as corporately. Lord, would you lead us? Jesus, we want to be in the places with the people that you want us to be connecting with. So please help us in that, we pray. Amen.